0: You know what time it is, people. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, comment on Apple or any other podcast platform like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora and Radio Public. Socials to follow us on IG at The Trenches Podcast. Facebook in The Trenches with the Toulons, and Twitter at Trenches Podcasts.
1: You are now jumping into the trenches with the two lines, Thule and Ralph, where we pull back the curtain on what marriage and relationships are really about. So let's start the show.
0: Hey, everyone, it's Ralph.
1: And this is Marcus. A.K.A. Jonathan. A.K.A. A.K.A. The Tool Man. Oh, God. AK Tuli. AK That's it. Okay. Hi, Trench Mob. Welcome back <laughs> to another episode of... What is it, babe? You didn't do it.
2: Trenches!
1: <laughs> well, before we get into the episode, uh, we have a couple of trench announcements.
2: Trenches! <laughs> announcements! <laughs>
1: Okay.
3: Remember, you only have a month and a half now to take advantage of Sharita. Your money therapist.
1: Exclusive deal that allows you to get the true financial strategy to win in 2020. December 13th is the deadline for this opportunity, and you will get a 30 minute virtual consultation with Sharita for $50. Now, that's such a win because her normal consultations are way more than $50. Also, one person from the Trench Mob will be selected to win a free monthly coaching from January to March of 2020 if you book through this exclusive deal. It's time to get financially fit, Trench Mob, so head over to SheritaMHumphrey.com, that is S-H-R-I-T-A-M-H-U-M-P-H-R-E-Y.com, and book your 30-minute consultation today. Also, Saver Life is giving you a chance to win $500. Sign up for the challenge, save $500, which will put you in the running to win an extra $500. Now, folks, that'll add up to $1,000. And with that $1,000, you can do certain things, like maybe pay off some debt or some bookies that you may owe money to or any other frivolous things you want to spend money on. So whatever it is, head over to the link in our bio and get that money, Trench Mob. So... This episode was amazing.
0: Yes, it was.
1: We definitely had a we had a good time. Um, it is brought to you by the Washingtons. It is. If for those that don't know who the Washingtons are, <laughs> um, that is Patrice and Gerald. Yes. Um, they are a power couple. Absolutely.
0: Well, but I wasn't um, was it denouncing or declining that? But oh. I was. And right in that moment when it was like dead air, I was thinking, are they bigger than Beyonce? <laughs> I really was, though.
1: No, nah, they're pretty big, though. Um, For those that don't know. um, They have a crazy story, a yeah. crazy journey that just makes you look at life totally different. And Hence it makes you the not. Title. Yes, right. <laughs> um, When I say you won't take life for granted anymore after listening to this episode. It's it's humbling to, I mean, I'm just listening. Like this could be anybody, but uh, just a little bit about the Washingtons.
0: First up is Gerald of this money-making family. So Gerald, he has dabbled in a lot of things. He is also known as the empire builder. But prior to that, Gerald was the partner and president of Steve Harvey World Group, also partner and president of East 112th Street Productions and president of the Steve Harvey Radio Network. Where he led business development, production, and operations for all three companies. Now, Gerald has a book and it's called Don't Just Start a Business, Build an Empire, because he clearly knows how to do this. Now, his wife, the Money Maven. Um,
1: also known as Pastor Washington, because when she speaks, I feel like she's giving us the word. But she's an award winning author, um, she's a transformational speaker, she's a hope restoring coach, and a media personality. She got her start as your favorite personal financial expert on the Steve Harvey Morning Show. She was known as America's Money Maven. And with having tremendous success from that, she basically built her brand and her mission, which was to encourage women to chase purpose and not money. She encouraged women to have wealth in all aspects of life by pursuing their purpose. As the founder of Redefining Wealth podcast and the Earn More Money movement, She has built a thriving community of high-achieving women committed to creating a powerful life vision, whether that's through their careers, their home, their health, and or their personal finances. And speaking of personal finances, before we get into the episode, let's go holler at Sharita about this money.
4: Hey, Trench Mob, Sharita here with your weekly For the Love of Money tip. Today's tip, credit card debt. Our nation's credit card debt has dramatically increased over the last several years. The average American household has about $5,700 worth of credit card debt per a recent article on valuepenguin.com. If you're currently in credit card debt, here are three tips to help you reduce or eliminate your debt. Number one, write down all of your credit card debt. Be sure to list who you owe, your current interest rates, the statement dates, and the actual due dates. This is going to be important because this can help you to determine whether You will pay off the credit card debt with the highest interest rate, which can save you money over time, or if you'll do the snowball method and pay the lowest balances first. Whatever you decide, Trench Mob, make sure it aligns with your budget, and if you need to ask your creditor if you can change your due dates, do that. Oftentimes, you can change your due dates online, but be sure to check with your creditors just in case. This will help to ensure that you don't miss a payment or pay late. Number two. Contact your creditor to see if they're offering any zero interest promotions or if your account can be considered for a lowest interest rate, especially if you've kept your accounts in good standing. You won't know unless you ask, so pick up the phone today to see what's available. Number three, commit to not making any additional purchases on your credit cards if you can. The goal is to reduce or eliminate your credit card debt, Trench Mom. Another great tip is to bring your current credit card debt under 30% of your credit limits. If you're currently maxing out your credit cards each month, this option may be a great place to start and then keep paying down from there. Remember, high credit card utilization can have a negative impact on your credit scores. If you're looking to improve your credit scores, remember 30% of your overall FICO credit scores are based on the amounts that are due. So keep paying off your debt and you will see those credit scores rise over time. Questions on this week's tip? feel free to reach out to me at SharitaMH on IG. Until next week, as my son Kyle likes to say, pray about it, do the work, then get the money. Now here's the show.
0: All right, so we have Gerald and Patrice with us tonight, and we are going to just jump right on into this thing. So how are y'all doing tonight? fantastic
2: amazing
0: okay this is gonna be fun yeah so um let's jump right into your journey so let's hear a little bit about uh how y'all met kind of like how that was dating going into uh, i guess engagement and marriage mm. Oh okay yeah hello <laughs> yeah we've arrived and that's um, how you start? Yeah.
1: oh yeah because we know that's the fun part
0: and yeah. um and then we'll go from there. So we did the toss up
5: that I would go first since okay. <laughs> I have the accurate account. Oh, oh okay. wow! Yeah, of what These happened? Scenes. You know, every time you tell the, the story, it's it's off. It's the truth. Um, didn't he tell me to go first? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Gerald and I actually met in college. Uh, we met my sophomore year originally. Uh, I went to USC. He did not go to USC, but he was there all the time. Oh,
2: okay.
5: he went to Occidental College. <laughs> and he had a. Uh, oh, my goodness. Did you ask me to go first? <laughs> um, so he owned, actually, in college, he owned a marketing and promotion company and they threw a fashion show at USC, University of Southern Cal. And my roommate and I were in the fashion show. And my first experience of him was being very annoyed <laughs> oh. because he was the person running the fashion show, but he would come to the rehearsals late uh, and then demand that people redid it and showed him what they had been practicing because it was like a fashion show slash there were little skits and all this stuff going on. It was a lot. It was actually one of the best productions USC ever saw, in oh, all man.
3: honesty. Thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> it really
5: was like he sold out Bovard Auditorium. It was phenomenal. However. He did keep coming late to those rehearsals and saying, I need to see it from the top. So one day I thought I would be people's champ and speak up for the rest of us unpaid models. And and I was like, um, we've already run through that and it's like midweek or midterm time. And we don't really have time for that. And he looked around like, who is she? Right. (laughs) What does she think this is? Um. And we did it again.
2: Oh, yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> we, we did do it again, but I vowed I cannot stand him. And we went on to do the fashion show it was cool. And actually my other, I had three roommates, two guys and a girl in mm-hmm. college. And my, my female roommate actually knew his girlfriend at the time. And she did, they lived in the same, like, Building, okay. Uh, freshman year, and she did not like her. So I was like, and I don't like him. So virtue of that we don't like them, right? Like, we're anti them, right? And that was it. The fashion show went well, and I was like, cool. I don't like that dude. I'll never see him again. And about a year mm-hmm. later, uh, I was working for the Steve Harvey Show when it was just in L.A. as an intern, and he was doing his thing. And there was a panel at a local community college. It was for young people in entertainment, and. They invited us both to be on the panel. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Look
5: at God. (laughs) (laughs) So ironically, he was the only other person on the panel that I thought made any sense. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's actually not he's not as bad as I thought he was. He's actually kind of smart, but I wouldn't let on to that. Yeah. Um, But he he knew I worked for Steve. He was asking me um, to get him on the radio. And I politely said no and declined (laughs) Mm -hmm. several times. And there's just one Sunday where I I used to book the show for Monday mornings and I hadn't booked anyone. And I just, I completely forgot. And I was like, oh my gosh, who can I get? Who can donate money to Steve's foundation? I called him out of the (laughs) blue after months of like being rude. And I was like, do you have (laughs) a (laughs) thousand (laughs) dollars? And he's like, yeah. I said, if you want to get on the radio, you need to bring a thousand dollars tomorrow morning, be there at 5.15 a.m., you know. On and on, and he was like, "All right, so he had an event he was promoting, and he came to the radio station, he got on, he gave the money, he did his thing, had his interview with Steve, and I was like cool i'm I'm done <laughs> I'm you can go now, <laughs> yeah, but here's the the craziest thing happened. He was in the hallway, and he came suited and booted. I must say, you know for twenty one year old guy he was he was three piece suit gown, looked very right nice, and uh you know, he was waiting in the hallway after it was done. And I was pretty much like, Why are you? Why, are like, you why is he still there? And Steve said, Steve said, What's up with that guy? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. He said, I like him. You might mess around and marry him one day.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow. And
5: I was like, What? And Shirley Strawberry was
0: like, Steve,
5: don't say that. Why are you saying that? And long story short, shortly after that, we went to lunch, sat there for hours talking. Realized that we were both very into business and making money and entrepreneurship and all this stuff. And that was pretty much it. Like from there, we called ourselves best friends for like another year. And um, my roommates would be like, why don't you just date Gerald? I'm like, that's my friend. That's my friend. That's my my BFF. And and then one day he said, I think I like you. Mm. And what did I say? He said, but you're my friend. I said, but you're my first. I said, and then I said, but you're my friend. Oh, man, that's cold. And right? then that's what I'm saying. You zoned somehow, him immediately.
0: He was already in the first, no, but she shut Well, we were back. friends for like a year.
5: <laughs> we were literally, you guys, we were best friends. Like we talked every day on the way, to every day after school, every other night. Like we talked all the time. So I don't know why I didn't think of that. But I used to tell him about the guys I was dating. I tried to hook him up with <laughs> my intern <laughs> back then. I tried to hook him up with people. Like I really just thought we were. And and people who were close to us, at least my friends, they were like, "You guys are definitely more than friends." But I didn't see it initially. I mean, blind. Ooh, that's wrong. (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) All this goodness you would have. Oh my gosh.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, um, so yeah, friends for like a year. And then when we made the decision that we would date, that we would try it out, we decided we would date secretly and give it like six months. I was like, you know, I don't know how to do long term relationships. And we said it will give it like, was it 90 days or six? I think we said 90 days. days. We said we would do 90 days.
0: (laughs) Basically. Yeah.
5: (laughs) Yeah. We would do 90 days. We wouldn't really date and, you know, go out in areas where we knew people. We would, you know, all this stuff. And then I guess like six, seven months had gone by. and He was like, so are we good? like is it still 90 days or because it's been half a year do
0: i get the, the I was like, Oh, i guess so i guess
5: so yeah and that was i don't know 16 years ago
0: yeah <laughs> why did y'all do it secretly
5: because so first of all the young lady i tried to hook him up with uh-huh. she really was my intern and mm. she thought oh. she loved him so, and so after their first date, she came back to work and she was like, I love Gerald. That's oh my soulmate. Gosh. Okay. So yeah. when I spoke to him and I, so I was waiting to get off work. Cause I was like, oh, let me hear what he got to say. So he called and he was like, why would you do that? Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> she loves you. <laughs> <laughs> I <was just> <laughs>
3: I was like, and I wanted nothing to do it.
5: And he, and he was just not interested. So, you know, I went to a predominantly white school with a small black population. Like, it, mm-hmm. like, and it happened when we realized we were going to start dating. It happened just a couple months later. It may have been six weeks later. Yeah. So I didn't want to look shady. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't, it just happened. It wasn't the intention at all. Um, but even when she did find out, she, she tried to confront me at school. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a whole nother story. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, here we are.
0: Here we are, guys right we're here now right
5: you won so at the end of the day it doesn't matter
0: right so now y'all are dating and how long do y'all date before you i guess he proposes to you
5: we dated from let's see we started dating in 2003 and we got engaged in 2006 2006 Mm -hmm.
1: 2007
0: Mm -hmm. 2007 2007, excuse me but she (laughs)
1: got the receipts though of course, yeah, bro. She doesn't have I got your excuse back excuse me bro. I got your back bro yeah.
0: oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like I'll get you later <laughs> I
1: bet like that. You'll,
0: you'll slip up soon don't oh. worry <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll get
0: you so now that we're engaged and we're are we planning like a wedding or are we living together i don't you know how is this working out? um no,
5: we were not living together, and we actually the year before in two thousand and six, I don't know how I, like forgot I didn't forget but In 2006, we were pregnant with our first child and he passed uh, July 29th. I had him prematurely and he died after a few hours. Uh, And then that actually put us on the road. I don't really know that we were going to get married at that point. It really. We were kind of up and down by then. We started a business together uh, in 2004. It was really successful. We owned a real estate and mortgage company. So I was the broker, Gerald did all the marketing stuff and we, we were great partners. Um, but by 2006, we had been making so much money and you know what money does to people. Yeah. And we were having ups and downs and then I found myself pregnant. And I, I honestly, I thought after the baby is born, I'll probably just end up a single mom because that's what's normal in my family anyway. Oh. I wasn't really, I didn't really think that we would go on and get married. Um, But then the baby passed and I started going to grief counseling and then somehow within that we started to go to counseling together and it was like couples counseling and then slowly it kind of morphed into more like a premarital counseling. So that, so the baby passing kind of saved our relationship. And yeah,
0: that's kind of like a, I don't want to say a curse, but a, a blessing and a curse at the same time.
5: Oh yeah. I can see how it, how yeah, it could it completely a... break people up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And, but by December of that year, 2006, we were pregnant again. And then we got engaged in February. Yep. The day before Valentine's. Mm-hmm. Oh. And did we know I was pregnant? I don't think so. I don't think so. But he was trying like he was so like uptight about going to dinner. And I was so sleepy. Oh. I do remember being so sleepy. <laughs> I just could not. I'm like, Woman, I'm trying to propose to you. <laughs> I, I could not <laughs> deal. And I was like, I have got to take a nap. I, know like, I, I got it. So take a nap. tired. And he's like, no, you you have we have to go to dinner. And I'm like, I must go to sleep. or I'm going to go. to. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not I'm make like it. who cares about the reservation? Like we could go anywhere. We can go somewhere else. And so he let me go to sleep. And then I woke up and I don't know, I feel like he had an attitude. <laughs> and and uh we were in San Diego and he was on the balcony and told me to come out to the balcony, half sleep. And I came out to the balcony and he just started talking and saying all this like, We've been through this and we've been through that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. What's happening? Mm-hmm. And then he started looking like something's about to pop off. So I started hopping around on one foot. I don't know what made me do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why I was like, it was like hot potato with my feet or something. Like I just kept going scotch. back and forth. I'm like, yeah, hopscotch or something on one foot. I was like, what's going, wait a minute. Hold on. Well, wait, well, what? I was like, man, had I known I'd have been cute. I look like I just woke up. Cause I just woke well, up. Yeah. Um, I told you not to go to sleep. <laughs> but I could not help it. So, but I didn't know yet that I was pregnant. Um, so I and he proposed pro- with like a gift shop ring. And my first ring was okay, from the wait, gift wait, shop. Wait
1: wait, time out. Wait, uh, wait, wait before we get to this gift shop ring, I had a question for Gerald. <laughs> so
3: how mad were you when she went to sleep?
2: <laughs>
3: I was mad, but I was more disappointed because I felt like the, the energy mentally that I had to just oh. the muster up the strength and the courage to, yeah. to be ready for that moment. I'm like, man, so now I got to figure out another moment, right? So it was going to be a dinner. That wasn't going to happen. So now I'm trying to improv on this spot. So I went from being um, discouraged to, to anger. And then when she decided to wake up and wanted to come outside, now I got to get all these nerves back out of my stomach again. Mm, mm, mm,
0: mm. Mm. Yeah. Now so? nah, this
1: ring. Yeah, let's get back to the gift shop.
2: Why, <laughs>
0: yeah, right. Why was this a gift shop ring?
1: What? Like,
2: you know
0: what? For me, it was, it was was it was time.
5: And
3: the ring wasn't going to get in the way of the opportunity to have this happen okay? in that moment. I made up for the gift shop bring later on down the road, but...
5: It I mean, wasn't that much later. I think you ended up telling me that it just wasn't ready, and yeah, you were like... It, it was
3: out yet, because we ordered it, and I didn't, I didn't want the San Diego moment to go by. He was anxious. So by he the time we got ready. home, I put, up, put it into it. He was
5: right. ready to go. He was like, when he...
1: do it now. It's not going to happen. Yeah, we got to do it right yeah. now. he's
5: nervous is ready. And then when I got it, maybe like a month later... It was, <laughs> <laughs> you remember how you gave it to me? It was a Del Taco bag? No, El Pollo what? Loco. Oh, okay. My God. You know, right. we're so romantic. romantic. As t- oh, no one's ever really asked us for this deep of the story. True. So now I realize just how romantic. Um, I, I, just,
1: I mean, I'm taking back. <laughs> this is such a romantic experience. <laughs> is, hey, right. brother, so, I do appreciate it because it means that you know your partner very well enough to give her a gift shot ring. Um, Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I
5: remember when I told my dad, though. Oh, let me tell you, though, what really Mm -hmm. blew me away. So I don't necessarily have the best relationship with my dad. He Mm -hmm. just wasn't, you know, in the home. And I always knew I knew him my whole life. I know him, but I don't really know him. Right. You know, like one of those kind of just aloof type of figures. And the thing that really blew me away is that the next day when I called my dad, my dad told me um, that Gerald had come to come to Florida to ask oh, wow. him to marry me. And I never knew that. He went to Florida and stayed with my dad. No, I ain't even stayed with my great. dad. Wow. Stayed with my dad, had breakfast with him, hung out with him, you know, for a day or two and asked for my hand in marriage. And I never knew that. So I th- I was very impressed by that. with yes.
1: oh, yes. Man, fist pump through the <laughs> microphone, my brother. That's crazy. For somebody to do that and not have a relationship with that parent is like
5: That's amazing beyond right there. Yeah. committed. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was very impressed by that. So um, about a month later, by then we figured out I was pregnant. Okay, And pretty quickly into the pregnancy, I ended up back on bed rest, just like a short term type of thing Mm -hmm. um, at the house. And I asked for some food. (laughs) I was asking for food. And I remember my mom, I think, came by. And then one of my best friends in the world, who's our daughter's godmother, Ashley, she came by and I was like, oh, everybody's bringing me food. And then Gerald came by with his dad. And I who I loved, like, what is, right? And so I was like, "Oh, everybody's just coming to visit at the same time. How convenient! Like this <laughs> is awesome. I'm like all my favorite people in one place." And so he was bringing me my food, and I opened up the box with Aww. my. I was going for chicken in my tortillas, um, and a beautiful ring box was in there with a W on it. And yeah, that's when I saw my real ring and it, it was worth the wait. Yeah. Okay. So now when you
0: tell the story like that, it's right. like, yeah. That's dope. yeah. So
5: was that like your
1: engagement party, kinda? Yeah.
0: <laughs>
5: yes. I like you. Konda. Over a 12 piece of chicken that's from dope. El Pollo Loco. Shout out yes. to El Pollo Loco
1: owners all Baby, over the we country. We got guac, yeah. we got salsa, some queso. <laughs> and the
0: ice. And the ice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now you you got the ring, you got the baby on the way. We have a a business together. We are living our best lives. Mm, until you know? until right. the shoe drop.
5: Until June, when I take a fall down the stairs. What? Mm-hmm, that sends me into preterm labor, and I end up in the emergency room where they say this baby is going to come any minute now, and oh, I was only twenty gosh. weeks pregnant.
0: Oh my gosh.
5: mm mm-hmm. huh. And. Yeah, it was like 20, about 21 weeks or so pregnant. And yeah, um, you know, we had our son around 24 weeks. So that Freaking. was, yeah, that was devastating. And so we, you know, I did the only thing I knew to do, which was pray mm-hmm. in that moment. And then we stayed in the emergency room area about a day almost, because they really thought she was coming like that day. Right. And she held on and they ended up admitting me um, to like the maternity ward. I was on bed rest all the way up until her birth. Uh, she was still 10 weeks premature, but I I had her on August 1st, 2007. So now by then, you know, of course we were engaged and people were talking about, where are you going to set a date and all this stuff? And I was like, uh, I'm going to be fat any minute. So I, you know, I was expecting obviously to go full term. Right. So we were not thinking about even having a wedding until May of 2008, I guess. No, that. Some of those things are, well, no, the next year, we were saying the, the next year. Okay. okay. And so, um, long story short, when I was in the hospital though, is when the real estate market really started to go under. So I was on hospital bed rest watching the news like every day and the banks were closing down left and right. And we had 16 loan officers and real estate agents on our roster. We had a nice office in Manhattan beach, California, full-time employees, between the two of us, 13 pieces of property, investment property, like we had all this stuff going, all of it was connected to real estate. And we were, I was in the hospital on bed rest and there was no deals closing. Mm. Like our loan officers and real estate agents would be calling, emailing, like, can you help me fix my deal? Can you help me save my deal? Where can I put it? The bank just took the program away. My client doesn't qualify. It was just one stressor after another. And for me, I really just was like, enough was enough. At one point, my doctor came in. I wore the monitor around my waist, the whole, you know, around oh, my yeah. belly. Mm-hmm. And she came in at one point. She was like, look, you're stressing the baby out. I don't know what you're stressing about, but if you don't stop, you're going to leave here two years in a row with no baby. Oh. Lord. And that was it. I was like, you know what? Take
3: the TV off the
5: wall. I said, take the TV out of here.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: I don't want this laptop. I don't want people calling me. Don't, I'm, nothing. Gerald brought me an iPod. I had praise and worship music. I had a Bible, some books, some journals. And I was determined just to praise and faith my way until my baby came, because every day counted. And so at the time that they took the TV out, I probably really still had another a while. Mm-hmm, okay. I probably still had another three weeks in the hospital.
0: Yep. Wow.
5: Wow.
1: That's intense.
0: Very. hmm But cool. she ended up coming uh,
5: August first, two thousand seven, three pounds, two ounces. And she did twenty one days in the NICU. Oh, that's good. And, uh, oh. mm-hmm. yeah, she, she got out of there. And so we left with a healthy teeny tiny baby. I remember when we were leaving the hospital and uh, we were just swinging that car seat. She was so light. <laughs> like, she was so tiny. You know and what? people were like, people were like, you going to get your baby. We were like, baby's in
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> real talk. Oh. She was you know so what? little. I, did, I don't think I've ever told you this before. I'm gonna say, I really do not like you. (laughs) You you took me from (laughs) heartfelt moments (laughs) to swinging the baby, like it was a McDonald's commercial. (gasps) Yeah, she was. She was so
5: tiny, but um, but yeah, she's she's healthy today. Just turned 12 last month.
2: Yeah.
5: So, or two months ago now. (laughs) Yep. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: So we get out of the hospital. Got your, you know, your baby. You're excited to be a parent, arguably nervous as well, um, but your business is tanking at the same time.
0: Oh, so when do you check uh-huh. on it? I guess, well, I guess Gerald was handling what all of this while you're in the hospital.
3: So so let me be honest, right? So <laughs> when when it, when it comes to these businesses, my wife is the brain. Okay. Um, my job is to bring the money in. Her job is to close it. Mm-hmm. My job is to market the business. Her job was to make sure that our loan officers perform to the optimal so that we can close deals. Um, so I would go get it and bring it in, but I would go get it and bring it in. i am bringing it in to nobody because she wasn't able to participate oh my um, and so I, I want to say that I tried my best to hold on as best I could, but she was the integral piece in that in that office mm-hmm. that will make sure things got closed. So, I really turned my mind into more. so how do we exit this the best way possible, right? So how do we just start to slowly close it? because there were, there were so many things coming down the pipe that I just couldn't even answer. They weren't even in my wheelhouse um and in our Uh, process at the time did our best to help but it was just so far beyond us Um, and so as much as I want to say I was holding it down I was holding it down so that we can just get up out of it.
1: Wow so Patrice how did you feel like about that but I mean I, I understand that everybody plays a role but were you expecting him to be able to save it or were you on board about him helping you all get out of it?
2: Um I think
5: initially I thought that it could be saved. Like I had never experienced anything like a recession. Right. Right. So I was used to being the thinker and the, like I, amongst my friends, right. I'm always like, let me fix it. Like the coach in me, before I was calling myself a coach, the coach in me was always like, how do I find a way? How do I make a way? I'm like, you know, the fixer. And this was just one of those seasons where no matter what we tried, every time, like every door closed. Mm. every window was shut. Like there were no openings. I would try to modify mortgages and, you know, partner with other brokers, like with larger broker brokerages. And like, I tried everything that I possibly could and just nothing was working. And so, you know, yeah, eventually, of course I had to get on board with like, this just isn't going to work. And within then it's, we tried for months and months. So within several months, yeah, we had to go ahead and lay off everyone and shut it down.
0: Wow. So it was devastating.
5: Cause that was our first baby.
0: Oh gosh. So, Oh, so you, now you have to, cause I know that's disappointing to tell somebody, you know, you have to lay them off too. Cause I was also working in banking and, and that happened to me, I think two, three mm-hmm. times. So I felt the the brunt of the recession as well, but not being married, how were those conversations in the house? Because it's like, we got a new baby taking care of that. But then also we're having these conversations about, we have to shut this down. We have to, you know, close this, you know, you know, for us being newlyweds, they always tell you money is, you know, one of the reasons why people divorce and y'all are like throwing everything back. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, how are those conversations? Was it tense in the house or was it just like, you know, we're going to make a way?
3: So the the short answer is that my wife has always been the saver, right? So I've always been the one who, if I saw a pair of shoes in the store and I liked them in blue, I bought them in red, yellow, orange, and every color they had. If I saw one truck, I bought two, or if I liked an old school, and I liked the year 63, I bought the Mustang and the Thunderbird. And I lived outside of my means. So when it came to saving the business, we leaned on her savings account. Um, we still tried to close the transactions and we lean on savings account. And, and I believe that not being married and not being equally yoked in that, because we, we acted separate. Our mm-hmm. business was her portion of her and my portion went to my, went to me. Um, so the conversation was rough because I also wasn't able to produce or, or, provide everything needed at those times to hold on to it as long as we were trying to, um, because we also had the properties that out of town that needed, um, the rents to be paid or the mortgage you paid, rather um, our own personal residences. And I wasn't liquid or prepared for that. Um, and again, we, we were, we had separate everything
0: right.
2: um, and it acted that way.
0: So then that hurt both of you. And so when did her or did her savings run out or did it save y'all? Save us. No, Um, this the savings I
5: had is what kind of helped for those several months before we decided we had to lay everything off. So, yeah, I was still trying to keep hope alive. And then when it was just getting down to the point where. We had to call Range Rover, like, would you guys come get these trucks? Mm. And they were like, no, no, you need to make the payment. And I was like, no, no, no. What no, we're, we're saying, saying is, where saying can it. we bring these? Or would you, <laughs> would you like an address? <laughs> <laughs> you want to do this involuntarily? Because I'm trying to do it voluntarily. <laughs> like, what do we, like, it was literally that bad. And no, eventually, you know, it got down to the point where we, we tried to liquidate everything. We sold everything from our offices. I'm talking, file cabinets, phones, desks, reception desk, like everything that we could. When it came to our place, we ended up short selling my condo, selling or short selling his house and then moving into an overpriced apartment in Midtown LA. Mm. And then shortly, you know, within six months going, we can't afford this either. It was like $3,500 a month for rent or something. Like While it it felt like, you know, way less than what we were used to, it was like still a lot. And yeah, eventually we sold everything on Craigslist and literally fled to Metairie, Louisiana, where Why? we ended up living in a 600 square foot box of an apartment Why there? with our baby. Cause we own some of the property we own was in New Orleans. Gotcha. And so, okay. yeah, we had, you know, call it $10,000. We were like, if we have the, the, uh, this little bit of money left, we can put it into this and, you know, hopefully get something sold and turn it, flip it, whatever. But the market continued to sink. Right. So by the time we were able to get out from under some of these properties, we had lost money. Like mm. we definitely hadn't made anything. Right. So it was just really bad. I mean, when we were in new Orleans, I ended up getting food stamps. I ended up, we were getting eviction notices on the door. They were turning lights off. At one point I literally ran after the power man they had cut our lights off and I ran outside. You know, when that happens, it's a quick situation. You're like, <laughs> wait a minute, everything goes off. And I don't even think I had shoes on you guys. I had my baby on my hip. Oh Reagan wasn't even one years old. And I ran out there and begged this man and said, if you don't turn these, these lights back on, my baby's milk is going to spoil. And I do not have money for any more milk. It was literally that bad. So you're talking within a year and some change, we went from having a seven figure business to literally scraping up change. Mm. And we were in a city with no friends, no family, um, essentially by ourselves. Our car, our trucks had been repossessed. Um, several of our properties were going into foreclosure and I was on food stamps. Even the daycare place that we found, Mm -hmm. the woman showed us so much mercy. I remember one time she said, you guys remind me of Barack and Michelle Obama. And I was like, "Eh." (laughs)
2: <laughs> look god how, how how honey how
5: tell me <laughs> but oh. she she really that was that was man she was before her time with that right. one i oh, was like was. huh but we drove a beat-up yellow van mm. that um it's funny we used to make jokes in that van remember it had that thing it looked like something that a predator would would drive around in and no, like that's scoop that's kids that's up that's off that's the street that's, no, that's, it had that's, a cargo that's... cage that separated the seats from, from yes, the. yes
0: i knew what y'all were talking about that... because i you know when i see cars that, and that's a serial killer van
5: Yes, they had a secret yeah, killer, they man. Had one.
0: That's what we used to say. Yeah, and see?
5: so we used to do this joke. It's really bad. I can't even say it. <laughs> we used to beat on it and be like, shut up. Like, as if somebody was back there. I don't know why we did that. Let me tell you, though, when you are at the lowest of the low in your life, you better do some things to entertain Let yourself. Me, I was you just about myself. to say
0: that because going through all of this, y'all should have been, somebody should have been dead from killing each other because like the, I don't want to say, but the, the joy that y'all did find, like the joking and stuff, most people would not do that. Like they would just be at each other. Like they would just be so over it. You know what I'm saying? Like you figure out. I'm going over here. I mean, surprisingly, I think we actually
5: got really close. I I guess we felt like, well, we don't have nowhere else to go. Like we got really close. We used to go run by the river um, in the morning and then we would go look at nice houses and every time we saw Range Rovers or BMWs Mercedes we'd be like been there done that on the way back like we had all yeah. these little mantras that we used to say and high five each other um you know we kept our little place really clean <laughs> <We're> like <laughs> this a mansion up in here all 600 square feet like we have to still respect the space and and treat it you know people would come over like, oh, y'all do a lot. When well, we made friends at church, Yeah, we had the nerve to try to entertain.
1: <laughs> Get together we at the crib.
5: And listen, but it was so like, we kept just the, the bare necessities of our furniture and, and had it driven down there. Like the what didn't sell on Craigslist. And right. we, our little space was spiffy. It was like, they got this kind of furniture in this little place. Listen, you don't know where we came from. Right. right. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think it did. It It brought us closer. I don't think I think one of the reasons it did is because we didn't tell anyone. So at the time, our family and friends really didn't know what we were going through. Wow. Nobody knew. They thought that we moved to New Orleans for business, you know, which I mean, we kind of did, but they didn't really understand like the, the dire straits we were in. Nobody knew that. They knew after the fact, to this day, when people who knew us back then, when they hear me share my story from the stage or on the podcast, they're like. Y'all was broke, but y'all always looked so nice. We would dress up to the nines and park like three blocks away from church.
3: And, and walk. I in <laughs> that van. Wow.
1: So, so why didn't you ever tell your families?
5: Shame. I would say for me, shame, embarrassment, guilt. Like I was supposed to be the one that made it. You know, That's like right. I was the one in the family. I went to the good school. Um, I had the good education and I was the smart one. This so to turn to around like, and be like, yeah. I had all of this stuff and i'm down to nothing. i'm worse than when i left the hood. like now i'm in another state living in somebody else's hood. like right. how that happened? i just couldn't really bring myself um to share. like i would ask my mom for stuff here and there, but i would never really allude to how bad it was. Mm-hmm. and um yeah, for me it was the fear, it was the fear, the shame, the guilt, the embarrassment, the like, wow, what did i do with my life?
0: Wow.
5: I, cuz i don't think i had a concept yet of This is happening to a lot of people.
0: Got you right. It it felt like,
5: what did you do? How could you do this? Why were you not smarter? Why were you not wiser? You know, why did you not see the signs? And I had a lot of guilt around um, all these years that I've been making all this money. I wait to bring a child into the world when I'm like this. Yeah. Like, come on. Like, I just that. That's at least for me. That's how I felt.
3: Yeah. And, And for me, it was the same, right? So I was the guy from high school and college who always had a business, was always successful. Um, so when it came to friends, I didn't tell anybody about anything. Now, I did tell my father. My father was actually in the business with me, so he knew. But beyond that, my conversation didn't go beyond that because to that point, the shame and the embarrassment of the lack of success outweighed the support or comfort that, that somebody possibly could have offered me. Mm. So
1: one thing I did, do notice about you all, and I think it's similar to Ralph and I, is in your toughest times, uh, you grow closer together. Closer
3: together. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's absolutely true. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we were best friends first. So we had a strong, solid foundation to stand on. Um, and, in our, and in our hardest times, even to, the, to this day, no matter what they are, we're able to hinge back on that. No matter how mad we may get or upset, we're friends, you know? And so that always opens up the space to come back and apologize or have a conversation or see it from the other person's point of view. Um, that lets us come back around to being who we are to each other.
0: Mm-hmm. I love it. So how did we get <laughs> from Louisiana, I guess, to Atlanta? Because <laughs> that um, sound like a road. Yeah. So actually, I hated New Orleans,
5: like, with a passion. First of all, the fact that you just wake up hot and sweaty. Like I just could not. So I'm already broke. I'm in this teeny tiny apartment. You know, I don't understand what half the people are saying most of the time. And I was just like outdone. I mean, no shade to people in New Orleans, but coming from LA is a different. Yeah, lingo. absolutely. Yeah. You know, you got to be like, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I, I found myself saying that like 70 times a day. I'm sorry. Excuse me. Okay. I'm much, sorry. Okay. <laughs> right. Maybe like, where are you from? I'm like, I know. I just, I'm sorry. No, judge, know, no judgment. No judgment. <laughs> so, um, well, I always have maintained my relationship with the Steve Harvey folks and they ended up coming to new Orleans in February for Mardi Gras. And we went to see a live taping and ran into Steve and his manager and all the co-hosts and stuff. And, uh, you know, they talked about that the show was moving from LA to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so we were like, Oh wow. They were like, Oh, Atlanta's great. And this and that my brother lived in Atlanta. I was like, Oh, well, that's cool. And they said, if you're ever out there, you should hit us up. I was like, oh, that ain't nothing but a word ever out there. <laughs> so uh, shortly after that, I had my my breakdown in the bathroom. So, you know, I tell this story all the time. But the truth is, Gerald and Reagan had gone out. Our daughter Reagan had gone out. And I had one of these come to Jesus moments in the bathroom where I was like, God, I was bawling, snot and crying. And I was like, God, you got to tell me something like this has gone too far. <laughs> like, I don't like it here. I don't fit in here. Like, this cannot be my life. I have to figure something out. And I always say I heard I say the Holy Spirit still small voice. I was like, get your Bible. And so I ended up on this scripture it was Proverbs 17, 16. It said, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom? And that scripture just like changed my life. Like it, it was the first time I realized that yeah, I had been smart, book smart, but didn't necessarily use wisdom because wisdom would have said ask for help sooner. Yeah, Um, And I was like, God, if you restore me, I'll go wherever I can and share this with people. Like, I just want people to understand this. I want them to know. So long story short though, in March of that year, I went to hang out with my brother. My mom was coming to town in Atlanta. And so Reagan and I were supposed to be there for like, six days or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: And after about three or four days, just being in Atlanta, being in that energy, seeing African-Americans just look like they were thriving. And mm-hmm. it just was so, it was just a different energy than what I had been in, in New Orleans. And I called Gerald and I was like, um, what if we moved to Atlanta one day? And he was like, yeah, that." That sounds cool. He was like, "We could talk about it when you get back." And I was like, "Well, actually, I meant, what if I move right now?" And you just send <laughs> <in> the boxes. <laughs> and
1: you back up the house,
5: <laughs> and you figure and, it out and, and come here. <laughs> and yeah, and by then he had taken a job at Taco Bell. You didn't even tell him that part.
1: Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. What did you do for um, finances he, during yeah. the rough time? So sounds like you worked at Taco Bell.
3: Yeah. So during, we looked at how we could identify the properties we still have left and try to make them work. And that didn't happen. And so I went, you know, to the grief mox, then I went to all the government jobs and the corporate jobs. And I went everywhere trying to find work so I can feed these two and, you know, and to shift from having our things cut off to having some stable income. And no one would hire me. Mm. I went to McDonald's. I went to Hardee's. Um, I mean, I went everywhere looking for a job. And, and the last place that I went was the Taco Bell around the corner from our apartment. Um, and I went in there and I said, listen, sir, my resume is going to say I'm overqualified, but I just need a job. What can I do? And um, the gentleman offered me a job. And I worked at Taco Bell for a year and a half, a year and a half. Um, so I worked at Taco Bell in New Orleans, sent my check back to them so we can so they can have some money in Atlanta and do anything to do there. And then I got, got to the point where they were they were in Atlanta just too far away from me. If I'm a struggle, we're gonna struggle, we're going to struggle together. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in New in New Orleans, in one of our old apartment complexes in the basement unit, sleeping on an air mattress. The hot water wasn't working. Didn't really have a refrigerator. I'm eating Taco Bell every day. I might as well move this Taco Bell job and go sleep on the couch with them in my brother-in-law's house. And that's what I did. I shifted from the Taco Bell in New Orleans to the Taco Bell in Atlanta. In Kennesaw, Georgia. Kennesaw, Georgia. Where we live now.
5: Oh, wow. Yeah. So you know what's crazy? So we can, we can say this since you, you all are from Atlanta. So my brother's place was in Buckhead. So Mm -hmm. he had a condo in Buckhead, two bedroom. We literally slept on, I don't even want to say a couch. It was like a love seat. Jonah and I slept darn near curled up and Reagan slept on the Ottomans, like pushed up against the love seat. That's how we were doing that. And we slept on my brother's couch for like three months. And then we saved up enough money to get our first apartment in Sandy Springs like, you couldn't tell us nothing when we got that apartment. And what? nothing in it, but it was ours. It was ours. Mm. We were on an air mattress. Reagan had a bed first. <laughs> um, but Gerald's Taco Bell was in Kennesaw. Now, by then, I had reconnected with some of the Steve Harvey folks. They offered me a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny check um, <laughs> to come do some work. I'll be, I'll be teeny, sorry. tiny, teeny, <laughs> teeny, tiny check. Um, mini check. <laughs> but I was but I was grateful. Right. right. So I would go like three or four days a week. Mm-hmm. Um And so we only had one car, though, and I would and we only knew one other family in Atlanta at Mm -hmm. that time. A friend of my my brother's childhood friend, his mom used to watch kids. So she lived in Powder Springs. Jesus, my God. So we would go from Sandy Springs. I would drop Gerald off in the morning and then in Kennesaw and then go drop Reagan off in Powder Springs only to drive all the way back to Buckhead where the Steve Harvey office was. And you know, from Sandy Springs to Buckhead, it's yes. like 10 minutes. Yeah. But, but my God. commute in the morning, <laughs> and my commute in the morning was two and a half hours. Yeah. Jesus.
2: They mm-hmm. go into the city?
1: So we're working at Steve Harvey, getting a fun size check.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Gerald mm-hmm. is working
1: at Taco Bell.
3: Getting a fun size
1: check <laughs> you, you Two fun together, size together, you, know, you have full a full piece of candy.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs> we had it. Yeah, we had enough to to figure it out. Like we were really diligent, even when we when we were getting our little fun size checks, we mm-hmm. were still eating all Taco Bell's food.
3: Oh, we can make you anything out of lettuce, tomato, beans. I'm taste, with them ingredients, we're mm-hmm. good.
5: Well, that's anyway. You know, we from California, so yeah, it's yeah. All good Mexican food. Right. So we know you can make ninety-three dishes from <laughs> lettuce, cheese, tomato, and call it something different just because you rearranged it on the tortilla. That's what we did. And that was how we were able to save a little money though. That's how we like got back to like paying a little thing little stuff off here and there and starting to save a little and slowly, you know, getting there. And then eventually, um, I was volunteering at financial education nonprofits Mm -hmm. and eventually got offered a job and wrote my first book all during that time. And Gerald ended up working with Steve Harvey's manager first Um, and then eventually got hired on by Steve as an assistant and worked his way up to president. And I worked my way up to the money, (laughs) (laughs) Maven. Yeah. But so by 2010, things started to shift. But that whole that whole process was about two and a half years of, of figuring it out and sticking together
0: through this whole process. What were the internal conversations like? Like you like I want to know what made you have that breakdown in the bathroom? Like what triggered that?
5: I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. Like. <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't the vision I had for my life, right? And I couldn't understand because I did what I thought was right. Like I, I grew up in the hood, you know, and I I made it to college. I was on the Dean's list. I got the great grades. I started a business in college. I was a real estate and mortgage broker by 21, right? Like I did all these things. I checked off all the boxes. So Mm -hmm. what is this about? And, And on top of that, honestly, I just felt like, man, I'm a good person. Like I play by the rules. I operate with integrity. I do good business. I treat people well. I'm like, God, there's so many raggedy people out there. Why why me? Why Like <laughs> yeah. why, why why am I being bothered? I always felt like I don't bother anybody. So what's what's going on? And I, I needed to have that conversation though. Like I needed to to tell the truth, right? Because I think I kept trying to put on a straight face mm-hmm. and be strong for so much of this that I needed that time to be like, God, but I'm a good person so that he could hit me with that scripture which was what good is money in the hands of a fool? Like good person or not, you've been foolish. And it's not to say again, I mean, a lot of people went through this, but there were things I could have done differently. Like there were definitely things I could have done differently. I could have asked for support or help much sooner. There were so many people, we were so young, you know, when all this happened, we were what, 27? Yeah. Right. So there were so many people in the game that I met at all these associations and rotary meetings and all this stuff that were in their 40s, 50s, 60s at that time, they had seen a recession before they 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 saw the writing on the wall. Right. So before you did, as opposed before to being like, well, I'm smart and I'm young and I'm going to figure it out. You know, I just didn't I didn't get it. I just didn't get it. Now I now I don't play about asking for help. Like as soon as I don't know something, I'd be like, hello, um, <laughs> here's what I don't know. Who who can help? Right. But I didn't know that at the time. So I was just frustrated. But I. I I'm grateful that I was honest with God about my frustration in that moment because I think it saved my life.
0: Oh yeah, and Gerald, like, what were the conversations you were having internally when you're on that drive to Taco Bell and you're at work and you're having that alone time? Like, how were you feeling?
3: You know, it was it was hard to stay motivated most days, but the because people can be rude when you don't put tomatoes on their taco. You know what? And when you don't give them the sour cream, they can be extremely aggressive. So it. it you know, looking back to Mark's point at all of the things that I had done to progress myself to where we had gotten for now to end up here, mm-hmm. for now to end up in the space where I'm slaying a lettuce out of a drive through window um, in order to feed these women. I'm smarter than this. And God, I did everything in our while My boys was gangbanging and doing things they shouldn't have been doing. I was going to church with my mom. She made me go, but I was going, right? you? I was doing all the things. And integrity to to pursue the right way of doing things and it just didn't pan out so it was frustrating and in those moments after those two and a half hour drives or getting back to the house and sleeping on the couch or, or was to the apartment and, and being in this space I think we found ways to just love on each other and, and find ways to laugh again that made it work well but in those moments it was rough
2: yeah
1: yeah so now to I guess what society may believe, right? So from the outside, if you're anybody on the outside that doesn't truly understand your dynamic as a couple, Patrice, you would say you are the face of your household. Correct? Yes or no?
5: Um, I guess so. Yeah. So in terms of having a more public career.
2: Correct.
5: Yeah. Mm Yeah. (laughs) I am the face of the
0: household. (laughs) You can use that later. I've I've never thought about
5: it that way, but I suppose that makes sense.
0: Yes.
1: When it comes to, you know, being submissive to your husband, how do you serve him as your, his wife? Excuse me.
2: Oh, mm, that's, that's a good question. How do I serve? Yes, ma'am. Um
1: we always have one in the list that stumps
2: people
5: Uh. i don't say yikes like that so that's kind of a tricky question because i don't feel like we have like traditional dynamics Mm -hmm. so instantly when you say "serve," oh you're thinking like, like, like literal well yeah i'm thinking like cooking and stuff and you know i share openly on my podcast that is not my ministry right like i I try to assist in the meal prep uh, tasks. You want me and, to go to the store? I'll, I'll
0: get you that. At the oh table yeah, table. I go to the there grocery goes. store.
5: Yeah. yeah, I could do stuff like that. Um, but he's just naturally a better cook. His dad was an amazing cook, so he cooked better than me. So that's why I'm like, uh, am I gonna fail this one? Um, <laughs> in terms of just serving, I mean, I don't know. I just i I feel like my strength is my is my business sense, you know. And I try to offer that as much as possible and be an encourager. Um, I'm big on words of affirmation. Gerald is a gift giver, but I'm like, I try to be more affirming with words.
2: Mm-hmm.
5: So in terms of how I serve in, in this capacity, I guess it would be that I feel like you should ask him how I serve. Cause I know, how, I know what he does. I don't know if I can say with certainty, what I offer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's
3: fair.
1: I was just, I was curious from your perspective, but I, well. Gerald, you can also answer.
3: Um, <laughs> How does my wife serve? I mean, I, 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 she's the nail in the head with respect to her openness to pushing me forward and, and keeping the positivity when times are, are tough or when, you know, I'm low. Um, so she, she's right about the words of affirmation and, and being that grounded. My wife is a praying woman. So for us, she has a prayer class. She goes into, and you know, we we know, one, we stay out of because we don't want to get in the way of whatever God is working on. In this <laughs> no doubt. But... Second, that, you know, she holds us down. You know, God, I always tell her God talks sort of differently than he talks to us. Me and my daughter, I probably shouldn't speak for my daughter, but how he speaks different to her than he does to me. Um, and so serving in, in, in that space,
2: um, I, th- I think is, I think you can kind when it comes to that.
0: Yeah, I think in like, I think like how most households are when you have a woman like, Patrice in the house, even though she may be the face and, you know, she's out here saving lives. It's like she stole that regular mom. Like she stole that regular wife. That Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like she she has your back. She's making sure her daughter's good. She's doing this wherever she can be to make that other piece go so it can connect. She's like, oh, yeah, I got you. I got you, mama, mama figure it out. Mama work it out. Honey, I got you. Don't worry about it. Don't stress about it. You know, I have you, you know, you put in the work, you did this, don't stress about it. You're that one. So that's how you serve. So that's what I hear.
1: Yeah. So for me, uh, for what I see, I think Ralph and Patrice are similar into not having to wear a mask, period. You have the ability to be the same person in all situations, which many people cannot do ever in life. They always feel like they have to uphold a specific image but I think you are true to who you are at all times. And I think that's what absolutely makes you who you are to, to, or today in general, um, as well as my I, wife. So, yeah.
5: I would say one of the best compliments Gerald has ever given me was that I was consistent. He told me one time, like, you are the most consistent person I know.
0: <laughs> that's good.
5: And I, re- I did see it as a compliment because, yeah. to your point, like, I don't, I don't have a whole bunch of, you know, people be like, you know, I remember my girlfriends would come see me speak and they would be like, you get up there and just talk the way you normally talk. I'm like, yeah. They're like, what happened to your speaking voice? I'm like, what speaking voice? This (laughs) is my speaking voice, right? Like they can't believe that I get paid to just talk, just talk the way I talk. Right. Or that I don't have I don't. I don't have you a difference. switch and then you're just like, yeah. Oh, there's no. Yeah. yeah, that's that's just not who I am. So Money I mean, Maven, I think that cons- and are that the same person. Yeah. They are, but I think that consistency is a blessing and a curse because you know that means sometimes I also don't know how to turn it off. Got gotcha. you. You know, like one of the things I've been learning most recently is that. When Gerald needs to talk, he's not looking for the money maven coach to come out. Mm -hmm. Right. He's just talking to his wife or his friend. Mm -hmm. And I'm instantly going into like, let me help you fix it. How do we fix it? Let's create a three step plan. Let's do this. And that's not what's always necessary. So while I think being consistent is a compliment, um, I think that I still have room to grow in terms of knowing when that should be on a two versus a 10. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I can respect that. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So we basically have come full circle. You have grew your crazy business in college, seven figures to basically, you know, scraping up change, working at Taco Bell to now basically doing it all over again in a different format. What do you appreciate about what you learned over the time, like over the course of everything that you've been through, what is the one takeaway that you appreciate more than anything?
5: What is the one thing I appreciate more than anything? I appreciate our resilience and that no matter what life has thrown at us, we never give up. We just get back up. And no matter how hard it has been, rarely are we both super strong at one time, mm-hmm. which I think is the good thing about having a life partner. Um one of us is going to get up and pull the other up. <laughs> like that just that's what it is. And Yeah, I think our resilience as a couple has been phenomenal because I know a lot of people who got married around the same time as us, and I don't think any of them
0: are still married. Oh, wow.
3: Wow. So to piggyback on, on that, you know, one thing we've always said is that there's no plan B. Right? Our plan A is the only plan we have. And I think that someone told me a while ago that time is on your side. And I think through this process, I've learned that. Patience is okay. You know, for so long, it was a race to get to this finish line of success in every aspect of life so that people could see it. But it wasn't sustainable. It wasn't the capacity level wasn't there for us to be able to hold it up. And I think through that and in, in learning our resilience, I now understand that time is on our side. And as we start to progress to life and do this thing all over again, that we have the opportunity to do it at a pace that we can now sustain it.
2: Better preach, my brother. Yeah. Yes, sir.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, with where both of you are now, basically at the top of success, y'all basically been through major hurdles in your marriage, in your relationship. For anyone who wants to be married, what advice would you give them?
3: That it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? And that... The marathon takes endurance and that comes with practice. Um, because many times we want to get out there and think we can run this 5K, 10K right away, but people that run marathons, they train for them. And when you don't have, like, neither one, neither one of us has the backing or support of parents who were married for 40 years anywhere down the line in my family um, at all um, to lean on for examples and for, um, knowledge, if you will. Um, And so in running this marathon, we're continuing to make sure we go back and train some more and learn some more and look at things some more. So that as we go for the next mile and the next mile, we have a bit more understanding, you know, counseling is big for us and it's a consistent conversation because things come up and conversations come up. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing to have a a mediator to talk about things that may have come up two weeks ago. Um, So know that you're running a marathon, not a sprint.
0: I agree. That's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
5: <laughs> what advice would I have? This was for people who just got married or haven't gotten They're married single. yet.
0: Single, single, marry your- they want to be yeah. married and you know, just like kind of like for me, for example, I, I had friends who were already married and they used to tell me, but what if you don't have that in your circle?
5: Yeah. So, I mean, one thing I would say for sure is marry your friend. Cause like Gerald said earlier, you know when the money's gone or the health is bad, or you know any any number of things can happen when it's all said and done, you want to still be able to talk to your friend, like you want to do life with a friend, mm-hmm. you know um, and like he said, I think that goes back to how we could laugh in the midst of some of the most, some of the most trying times. We could still find joy or find something to giggle about or look at each other and know what the other person is thinking or just have these. Moments, you know, and it's because the foundation is our friendship.
0: I'm with that, sounds familiar. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you. Uh, this was really fun. I had no clue about your story. I heard a little bit when you did the keynote at Podcast Movement, but this was this is an amazing story. I mean, I think it is motivational for a lot of people who shoot, struggle in marriage, struggle in relationships in general. It shows what it means to be resilient, be a friend. Etc. Thick and thin. Yeah.
0: Sickness and health. I mean, basically almost all of those things. Yeah. Richer or poor. Richer, yeah. Richer or poor. Like for real, because I think today, like no one's paying attention to those lines. They just, you know, we're going to have this Instagram ready wedding. You know, yeah. These pictures they ready. Don't
5: they yeah. don't understand what actually goes into it. I remember our pastor said, um marriages are made in heaven but the work is done here on earth and you're going to have to okay. do the work she told us upfront premarital counseling she was like you are going to have to do the work and every day is going to require that you make a decision and it is so easy when you're doing it for the gram and it's not your friend and mm-hmm. you know you don't understand that it's a marathon and not a sprint it's easy to give up we could we could have thrown in the towel about 6000 times in the last 12 years both of us and, and maybe, you know, one or the other or both of us at the same time. And yet every day we make a
2: decision. We just
5: make a decision. And like you said, no plan B, no plan B. True ride or die. Oh, got to jump you out. If you out, if you out this game, you got to get jumped out.
1: That's how you know she from the, hood. Right? <laughs> and from the West Coast hood. Not like this L.A. hood. This is not, you know, <laughs> not, not Bankhead.
0: She's like, oh, so if you don't want to do this today, let me know. Because right. I will grease up. Let me, and you know. gr- me and the
1: girls will be on the block waiting for you. <laughs> waiting
0: for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we greatly appreciate it. We greatly appreciate you telling your honest story to help us, you know, with our goal and to just letting people know what marriage is really about. So don't just be, you know, jumping into something just because, you know, oh, you know, he has a nice job and I won't have to work. Or, you know, we take good pictures together. You know, we'll have cute babies, <laughs> you know. So all all those uh, non-factors, but yeah, I I greatly appreciate it. Um, Thank you for having us. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. So until next time.
1: Peace. See you tomorrow.